Witness Docs from Stitcher. A note to our listeners before we get started. This story contains descriptions of assault and sexual violence. I'm not sure the danger that this man poses is fully understood. Like, we don't really know whether a man who is on trial for for such crimes and who has been exposed by, yes, the police, yes, the prosecution, but also reporters, how such a man could react. So obviously there is a question there to our own security, I feel. I'm Natasha Del Toro, and this is Verified. Dino Maglio had drugged and assaulted guests at his apartment for at least a year before he finally got busted. He had abused a 16-year-old Australian girl, and she and her mother testified against him in court. The same day the girl told her story to the judge, Dino actually confessed to the crime in the same building, and he was put under house arrest. That night, the cops showed up on Dino's doorstep to explain the terms of the judge's order, and they couldn't believe what they saw. It's 9 p.m., 9.05 to be precise. They enter his flat. It is not a raid. It is not a search. They only have to notify him. But when they're there, they find Maglio and they find two suitcases. And they ask Maglio, what are these suitcases doing here? Who, who, who is the owner of the suitcases? Cecilia is one of the ERP reporters. She says the suitcases that night belonged to women Dino had met on couchsurfing after he'd promised cops he'd stop using the site. And he says, um, I didn't want to tell them uh, not to come because I would leave them on the road, poor things. And the cops are like shocked and they're like, well, where are they now? Uh, we're there in Venice, he says. So they ask him, okay, call them immediately uh, and, and let us talk to them. So this is what happens. They call those uh, girls and they make these girls come back to Padova. The cops convinced them to come back from Venice. And immediately, they noticed that one of the women was not acting right. She, she seems very confused. She seems drugged. Uh, she cannot remember very well, but she thinks she might have been abused. The cops rushed the women to the hospital. Drug tests for one of them came back positive for benzodiazepine, Dino's drug of choice. And the woman also showed signs of sexual assault. Dino's arrogance was incredible. Think about it. He was under investigation. He knew he was potentially in huge trouble for the drugs they found in his house and for the assault and rape of a minor. And the night before he went into the Padua courthouse to confess to some of these crimes, what did he do? He hosted, drugged, and attacked at least one other woman. What do you think it says about Dino that he would be able to risk this, that he would have these women come stay at his house when he was under investigation? It can mean different things because uh, it can either mean that he had an unescapable compulsion towards this type of crime and that he disregarded self-preservation just for the thrill of being able to do what he clearly liked doing 
another time. Um, but it could also mean, and it would be even more sinister in a way, that he was kind of sure that he wouldn't be prosecuted, that his story would hold, and that the idea of presenting Crystal's case as consensual sex would have no further consequence on his life. Surely it doesn't show any sign of rationality. Julio's right. He's another of the earpee reporters, and he's looked as closely at Dino as anyone. No, Dino isn't rational. But Julio's also raising a different point that's just as perplexing and so unnerving. Why the cops went so easy on Dino after he confessed. They took him at his word when he promised to go off couchsurfing. And when he violated that promise, they still didn't take him to jail. They let him stay home, pending his trial. With a few restrictions. You know, on the honor system. Dino was put under house arrest with the, um, with the condition that he did not contact the outside world. He did not have the right to have a telephone and he did not have the right to access the internet. And of course, he could only see family members and very f- his lawyer and very few selected people. Those are the normal conditions of house arrest. At this point, Dino was supposed to be offline, cut off from the tools of his abuse. Uh, the police noticed that someone was accessing his Facebook profile and they thought it was him. Oh yeah, nobody was going to come between Dino and his internet. The police were able to spy on Dino's social media accounts using data they found in his computer and a phone they'd seized from his apartment. Here's the prosecutor, Giorgio Falcone. The translation is read by an actor. Però nel frattempo We were getting alerts that some passwords had been changed, that someone had accessed them to modify the communication and delete uh, some data, uh, delete evidence. Dino had been online this whole time. The cops had had enough. So just three days after Dino's house arrest on March 28th, they raided him again. They found a bunch of stuff his friends had smuggled into him, a computer and multiple phones, including one hidden in a vacuum cleaner bag. They also found an iPad hidden under his mattress. And not only that, they found more drugs hidden in a Chinese takeout container. Falcone decided to lock Dino up for real. He sent him to a special military jail near Naples, on the opposite side of the country, to wait for his trial. It would be too risky to keep a policeman or a carabinieri in contact with general population. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, there is a risk of uh, revenge and violence. In any case, those who commit this type of crimes, uh, sexual crimes, especially against women and children, are sent to specific prisons that have uh, special departments uh, for them. Because um, in in a prison environment, uh, these are crimes that are considered hateful, even by the common criminals, including high-profile ones. 
So, uh, often someone guilty of these crimes become victim of ambushes and violence and other things, things that the state should guarantee would not happen in a prison. Falcone had actually been watching Dino for more than a year at this point. And it was because of Kate, the American woman from Montana. Remember her? He was kind of like, do you want to watch a movie? And I was like, yeah, actually, I'd love to. And I remember loving the, the song, The Mother's Lullaby. And he was like, uh, do you want a cup of tea? And I said, yeah. The movie hadn't even started, and I was out cold. I guess I tend to trust people a little too much. But he was a police officer and had, like, hundreds of reviews. It was, like, 60 or 70 or 100 reviews, and they were all very positive, and he was very verified. Kate talked to the police in England after Dino raped her. Her complaint had reached Falcone, though through an incredibly convoluted path. The first official news of a crime regarding Dino Maglio is uh, the one we received from the British police who sent a complaint uh, reported by an American woman, Kathleen, who uh, accused him of sexual violence. The complaint was uh, translated uh, into Italian then uh, sent uh, to the police station in Venice. And uh, from there, it was forwarded to the public prosecutor's office, uh, my office in Padua. Falcone saw that Kate's allegations were serious, and he needed her to file a complaint directly with the Italian police. But he couldn't reach her. Her name and her email were written down wrong in the paperwork that Falcone had received. Certo, eh, mentre tramite i canali Interpol eh, cercavamo di rintracciare la Megunagle Kathleen. And uh, it was while we were looking for Kate uh, to follow up on this complaint uh, that uh, we received uh, the other complaint against Maglio for uh, sexually assaulting uh, Crystal, the Australian girl. And um, that's when the police searched Dino's house and uh, he was placed uh, under house arrest uh, pending trial. Falcone was still waiting on help from Interpol to track Kate down when Dino came into the courthouse and confessed to drugging Crystal, the 16-year-old Australian. So that day that Falcone interviewed Dino and was getting him to confess to drugging Crystal, he had Kate in the back of his mind. And he started dropping hints to Dino that he knew about other women. You can hear it in the tape from that day. We have actors reading the translation of their conversation. Here's the moment Falcone asked Dino his reasons for spiking Crystal's drink. Why did you put the drug in her glass? Because, because I'm an idiot? I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I didn't think about it. I, I don't know. But with what purpose? Hmm? To what end? That's a good question. I had no purpose. None. 
È successo altre volte che lei ha avuto rapporti sessuali con le persone che ospitava. Has it happened before that you had sex with people you hosted? Balconi waits to the end of the interview to really let Dino know. I'm looking for a pattern here. Now we will see about this. Eh? Thanks to your guest book, the internet records, etc. We will see if any other girl had sex while asleep. Huh? We will verify it, clearly. At this point, Dino realizes that Falcone knows there are other women. The question is, how much does he know? This world that Dino's built for himself could be about to implode, but he might have a way out. In Italy, there's this thing where a defendant can choose between a fast trial or a regular trial. To get a fast trial, the defendant pretty much admits to his guilt, but in return, he'll face fewer charges and he can get a reduced sentence. So that's what Dino does. To avoid being prosecuted as a serial predator, Dino chooses a fast trial for what he did to Crystal. Falcone was also not born yesterday, and he knew that Dino might do this. So his plan is to wrap up Crystal's case and start over with a whole new trial, with new evidence. That's the only way that he can come at Dino again. It's incredibly tricky and daunting, which is why fast trials are effective. Very few prosecutors are going to work as hard as Falcone was planning to. But what he didn't know yet is how much work the Earpie reporters had already done. All the work that Earpie had been doing for years and all the sworn statements they had collected, all of that was really going to matter. But they had a difficult choice to make. What comes first, their story or the case? Here's Alessia. We knew, we realized that uh, we had in our hands elements that could be very useful for the prosecutor and for the policeman. And so we ended up with the decision of going to, trying to contact Falcone. You have to understand, this was a huge decision. Journalists are trained to protect their sources at all costs, to never mix their work with the police or the state. Reporters go to jail to preserve their sources' identity and their independence. If they don't keep that wall up, that whole notion of freedom in the press goes right out the window. But for Alessia, Cecilia, and Giulio, this situation was different. The risk of Dino going free was too high. So in early February of 2015, they handed everything they'd been gathering over to Falcone. So I think that uh, what happened was something... Uh, unexpected from both sides because uh, uh, from one side we had the prosecutor Falcone who was already investigating his case and at the center point he saw that uh, it was not a single case but it was a suspect of a, a serial case and uh, um, so we started collaborating as journalists so journalists working together along with the prosecutor which was something um, new for us too viene ammesso al rito, per cui non è stato facile far emergere eh, quegli aspetti di serialità. So it was not easy to bring out uh, the pattern of uh, seriality in the criminal behavior of Dino Maglio, which in the end emerged, also thanks to the material collected by IRPI. 
So by you journalists uh, that uh, in fact allowed us to identify a whole series of cases. Falcone was eager to take the evidence. And the day after Irpi gave him the materials, they began publishing their stories about Dino Maglio. Sostenendo di essere innocente, invece, è stato condannato 12 anni e 8 mesi per Dino Maglio, l'ex carabiniere in forza al comando. An Italian policeman is standing trial over the rape of a 16-year-old Australian girl. Dino Maglio also stands accused of drugging and raping more than a dozen young women. I knew for a fact, like, we had to have been drugged or something. She accuses this man, Dino Maglio, an Italian police officer who introduced himself as Leonardo online through Couchsurfing.com, offering travelers a free Therapy's place to reporting made in international headlines. And he started getting drunk um, and very friendly with us. After so many long nights, so many phone calls, emails, and fact-checking, it was an incredible feeling to finally let the world know about how freely this Italian cop preyed on women. Falcone now had all this material from the reporters and bits he'd gathered on his own, like evidence from Kate. And more women were coming forward as a result of the Irpi articles. Falcone had an enormous task. Despite the fact that he had the Irpi reporting and the information about Kate, Falcone had to start his own investigation and check every fact again. He had to make sure that he could build an ironclad case against Dino. This work would consume him for years. For the prosecutor, opening a new trial um, for these 14 victims was kind of a, let's call it Russian roulette. No, well, it was a a challenge for him too because um, he didn't have that much material. So the only thing he had was uh, the documents we brought, the interviews we made, the stories we brought to him, and the names we gave him. So he started uh, all the investigations from scratch, from uh, what we brought. But um, I think that uh, he realized while he was doing the investigation and also uh, with all the new victims contacting us and him, that the case was much bigger than what he expected to be. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. This work would consume the next few years of Falcone's life. In the meantime, something happened that's kind of mind-blowing. In his fast trial, Dino was convicted of drugging and raping Crystal and was sentenced to six years and six months in jail. He was finally going away. But then... Dino's lawyer managed to convince Italian authorities to give Dino house arrest. Again. He was permitted to serve a sentence at his parents' house in Serbo, about a nine-hour drive south of Padua. Of course, Dino was under strict orders. No internet, no communication with the outside world. But when has that ever stopped him? 
Cecilia and the other Irpi reporters never took their eyes off Adino Maglio, and they saw he was flaunting the rules as much as ever. He violated his home arrest by doing numerous things. One of those was going to the beach, apparently. The other one was going to clubs and and gigs. But the most uh, worrying one was to start messaging some of the girls that um, he had abused. So basically, his uh, Malio's aim was to convince this girl and others to witness at the trial in favor of him. So to change their point of view and to say that he was actually innocent, that anything that had taken place was that the, the girls wanted it and all of that. And this time, Dino took his lies to another level. But the most worrying thing is that in order to hook them, he was playing like he was he was playing as if he was a near peace journalist. Um, now, to do that, he was using different phone numbers, but also a Facebook profile called uh, Justo Honesto, who means the right, honest one. Here's one of the messages Dino wrote to the women while he was posing to be an Irpi reporter named Justo Honesto. Can I meet you? Really, I have some questions. I'm a journalist and work at Irpi. Investigative Reporting Project Italy. Irpi.eu. Please help me. Thanks. Don't worry. Our conversation remains anonymous. It's really important. Alessio read these and got kind of terrified. When we first read those messages, I was kind of um, surprised because uh, I thought that this man is capable of everything to reach his goals. And so I was afraid. I mean, I was afraid about what was in his mind and what he was about to do. I was thinking, what is he going to do once he has our contacts? What was really more than anything, I think, for the girls, what were, they were asking us, how is possible that this guy is under... I mean, he did what he did, and now he's under home arrest, and nobody's checking on him. What is the police doing? They were really angry at that. Like, what is the Italian state doing? I mean, for a foreign girl who's been abused, it's this is really disappointing. It's like, what the hell? I mean, he's not supposed to talk to the world. Dino Maglio knew how to work the system, and the Italian justice system proved easy to work. Authorities kept falling for his appeals to be let out of prison, to let him serve his term at home, thinking this time he would comply with the rules. But for a master manipulator like Dino, house arrest was just a minor inconvenience. After all, he had plans, a life to live, and new victims to ensnare in his trap. And the game of playing out different roles was just too enticing. Whether it was acting the part of a dutiful cop or gracious host, or whether it was impersonating an earpy journalist, Dino had lots of faces. And now he was about to play one of his most difficult roles yet. The part of a good and honest boyfriend. From his parents' house, Dino went online and found an 18-year-old girl from a nearby town. They started talking, and he convinced her that he was in love with her. 
even though he lied about his real name and failed to mention that he was a convicted rapist under house arrest. Why would she need to know that? So they went on dates, meeting up at grocery stores and a strip mall. She was smitten. They talked about getting married. Dino said he wanted to be a father. And because Dino wanted her family to like him, to prove of their match, one night he invited her and her parents over to his parents' house. Alessia picks up the story. Uh, He invited them for a pizza and for having a dinner together. And it was at that time, uh, while uh, he was ordering a pizza on his phone, that uh, for the first time uh, he revealed his uh, surname, because until that time, he never never mentioned his uh, full name. And uh, they took note of the name, and they started making their own uh, searches online about this man. And they realized soon after that he was uh, a policeman, and they read all Irpi's articles, and uh, they saw who this man was. They were horrified. And the girl's mother realized Dino may have drugged and raped her daughter, too. She had complained of a stomachache one night, and Dino had given her some kind of nutritional supplement that made her pass out. She told her mother that she'd had these vivid dreams of having sex with Dino that night. So uh, we knew that he used this uh, uh, many times drug to uh, have a sexual relationship with uh, uh, tourists coming to visit his house uh, through uh, couch surfing. But in this case, we have a person who was supposed to be uh, his girlfriend, who was, uh, he has uh, her consent to have sex with her, but uh, still he felt the need of... Um, having their sleep to uh, have sex with her. So I don't know if it's for an erotic uh, um, need or for uh, something that is part of his behavior, but uh, he's not able to face people. He needs to have them uh, asleep or not consent in order to have a relationship with them. So this is, I think, very important for his uh, uh, behavior and to, to understand who Maglio is. The parents told their daughter, you have to stop seeing this man. That didn't go over well. She was in love after all. And when Dino found out, he dropped his sweet boyfriend act. He pointed out that he was a carabiniere, a policeman, uh, and so he had a lot of power. And he could uh, kind of use this power against them. And so, again, he was using his position and his role for threatening them and of the consequences they could face if they went against him. The girl's mother went to the police and reported him. Dino was thrown back in jail again. The mother spoke to us, but she doesn't want to go on tape. She's still scared Dino will come find them and get revenge. The reporters continued investigating Dino and trying to help the prosecutor build a second case. Here's Giulio. And it is likely that that Maglio was counting on that. He knew that he could reach a degree of impunity based on the fact that there will not be enough physical 
evidence of the direct crime that was committed. Nevertheless, we we have to consider that in this case there was a huge amount of circumstantial evidence. I've never seen so much circumstantial evidence from the contents of his computers, of his chats, of his house, uh, whatever what they found, from his behavior that was very bold. Uh, so uh, from a journalistic point of view, there were, of course, steps, and at each step you felt getting deeper and deeper in the rabbit hole and uh, um, more and more involved also at a personal level. And uh, and sometimes, like, you, you ended up staring at the abyss. The more the ERP reporters dug into Dino's life, the darker the truth became. And it got really dark. Like when we when we received the results of the search on on Malio's house, and we we received the list of everything that that they found in in his computer, and um, that traced together with the witness, the first witness that we read, that traced an image of the life that was going in in that house that was really terrifying really alien to everything that i mean again this is also dangerous like uh to to talk about him like he is a monster or different than a human being because i don't think he was exceptionally i mean i i don't think you would have noticed anything wrong with him if you just met him on the streets or at the bar for half a night it, it wasn't evidently monstrous Tell me about seeing the contents on Dino's hard drive. I remember that the policemen, the first comment they made when uh, they talked to us about uh, the, this collection that Malio had was like, uh, he can open a shop, considering how much material he has collected, uh, uh, pedopornographic material he has. And uh, it's true uh, in terms of variety and uh, kind of... Uh, uh, stuff that he, he has downloaded, uh, saved, uh, and also recorded, because we have to remember that uh, he also recorded himself with uh, uh, some of the women while having um, intercourse with them, sexual intercourse. So, yes, um, he's a kind of professional, not just the way that he perpetrates his, uh, this crime, but also in the way that he also puts in order, for example, this all this material in his uh, archives, and it was everything very divided by genre uh, and date, uh, people. So we cannot think just about a person who occasionally or by coincidence had downloaded some of these files and videos. He is a person who did it systematically. Can I just say uh, on on the video material what the police recognize it was been him playing with objects like dildos and his hand and you could see a section of the woman but you could not see her face but there were sort of laying bodies on on beds and he seems to have this sort of fixation about dead or like unconscious women to the point that he had um, also saved 
um, basically any uh, pictures of a dead woman he took during a police inspection. Well, we don't know whether he took them, but they were coming from his office. He emailed himself those pictures. He was also, uh, by the way, obsessed by um, sex with uh, animals, by the way. That's, I've seen a lot of that. Bestiality, child pornography, and traces of necrophilia. This guy would indulge any sexual impulse he had. How did you feel when you saw that sick material on his hard drive? Cecilia? Um, it took a few hours to scroll through uh, the library, let's say. Uh, it was like a PDF with the screenshots of the material and a description done by the police of each and every piece of evidence. I mean, each and every video. Uh, it's been the most disturbing experience of my life. At this point in our story, a lot of people have spent years trying to find out the truth about Dino. The women he abused, the reporters, the cops, and the prosecutor. But there was one entity that we have not heard from. Where's couchsurfing in this story? Why was Dino able to create a series of new profiles and host more women after being accused of rape? And Dino was verified. What does that even mean? They enabled it. They enabled a predator to create a new profile. And that's probably where some of my anger is directed, is that it still exists. Couchsurfing still exists for the wrong people, and for good people, but also for wrong people. That's in our next episode. I'm Natasha Del Toro, and this is Verified. This season of Verified is reported by Alessia Tarantula, Cecilia Onassi, and Giulio Rubino of Irpi, Investigative Reporting Project Italy. It's written and produced by me, Natasha Del Toro, Suzanne Reber, Senior Producer Dan Bloom, Bruce Edwards, Rachel Aronoff, Joey Fishground, and Shreya Nandi. Additional production by Grant Hill. Our editors are Peter Clowney, Gianna Palmer, and Ellen Weiss. Engineering by Casey Holford, Bruce Edwards, and Robin Wise. Our theme and original music are by Allison Leighton Brown. Special thanks to our actors Danilo Ottaviani and Giacomo Rocchini, and also to Andrew Haig for our collaboration with GroundSource. We are particularly grateful to the many women who spoke with us, both on and off the microphone, and trusted us to tell their story. Verified is created by Suzanne Reber and executive produced by Suzanne Reber, Ellen Weiss, Peter Clowney, and Chris Bannon. The show is produced by Scripps Washington Bureau in collaboration with Witness Docs, a Stitcher network. There's so much more for you to discover about this story and what's coming up on the show. You can find us on Twitter at Verpod and at VerifiedPod on Instagram and Facebook. Or you can write to us at verifiedpod at stitcher.com. If you like the show and believe in this kind of storytelling, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
It'll help more people discover Verified. Thanks for listening.